Good day, friends. Today is day number 32 of the One Year Bible Podcast. You're listening to Jesus in the Center, One Year Bible Podcast with me, Reiko Zek. Thanks for joining me today. Today's confusing because it's February 1st or it's day number 32. So from here on out, the days will not be the same as the date. I think we're smart enough. We can figure it all out. Today's an awesome day in our readings. It is Exodus 13, 14, and 15. The actual deliverance from the Egyptian army and from Pharaoh, the crossing of the Red Sea. Wow, it's awesome. Interesting, you may have caught this, that there were two ways for Israel to go back to the promised land, the land of promise, land of Canaan. There was the high road and the the low road, the, the road by the sea. That would have been the shorter and easier road, but they did not go that way. Two reasons why. One, God says that they might face war. Along this route, there would have been many Egyptian military fortresses, and and they are not able to to fight. In fact, the battle will be the Lord's. Instead, they will go the other route, the one through the wilderness. And we knew this would happen all along because remember back in chapter 3 that the Lord told Moses that they will go to the mountain of Sinai, Mount Horeb. When you come back and you worship me on this mountain, you will know that I have brought you out. And so we knew this would happen all along. It won't be the easy road. And I think here's a principle for us. God could make our lives so much easier, but often he takes us on a more difficult road. Why? Well, here in the story, it's to show his power, show his glory, to prove that he is with us. If we don't need God, then it seems like we get by just fine without him. Of course, we do need God, and we so often forget that, that we do. There's a quick reminder here how Moses takes the bones of Joseph with him when they go because Joseph knew that they would go back. And they camp, and I just love how how God is faithful to his promises. He says, I will be with you. I will bring you out. Isn't this just an awesome whole section? The Lord is with them many ways, in the pillar of cloud to guide them during the day and a pillar of fire to give them light at night. And the, this presence of God is with them. It's also called the angel of God. And there's drama. Isn't there so much drama? The Lord shows them that Pharaoh's on their trail. Pharaoh changed his mind. He said go, but then he's like, no, I'm going to lose my power. I'm not going to let two million slaves go. Go get them. So he sends out his best chariots, his horses, his, his, all of the rest of his chariots, his horsemen, his troops, and they pursue and they overtake them. And look at verse 10. This is uh, chapter 14, verse 10. It says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Here they come. Right? You can just sense the music. Dum, 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 dum. They are terrified, and they cry out to the Lord. And, of course, they do what they're going to do a lot, which is grumble. They complain against Moses. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. Uh, We just want to be slaves, have an easy life. They're, of course, not thinking straight. They're just acting out of fear. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. Wow. And he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So they're to be still and to cry to the Lord and to trust in him. Not an easy thing when you see all of Pharaoh's advanced military marching down on you. They are asked to believe, to believe that Yahweh, who they can't see except in this pillar of cloud or pillar of fire, they 
they're asked to believe that the Lord will protect them. They, they, they ought to, right? They probably know that all of the Egyptians had just lost their firstborn sons, but they didn't as they trusted God and put the blood of the Passover lamb on their doorposts. But that was a day or two ago, so they've already forgotten, just like us. Well, interesting here, Moses says, stand firm. And then the very next paragraph, uh, the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. There's a time to be still. And then there's a time to move on. Interesting. Uh, and the Lord gives us wisdom. It's kind of up to him. So they, they go through. I love how the angel of God, this is verse 19, the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them. And so the angel of God, remember this is messenger of God. So is this, is this our Lord Jesus? Perhaps. But it says that, the, that God, the Lord, is in the pillar of fire. And also there's the angel of God. You know, we know that God is everywhere, but he is particularly here in this moment to show up to protect them. At first, this pillar was leading them, and now it has moved its position, and now it's protecting. And I think that's a great reminder what the Lord does for us. Not only does he lead us, he then, he also protects us from behind. Also, throughout this whole night, as they begin to pass through the, the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds, they're, they're walking through on dry land. The water is split. The Lord has, has made it divide and they're walking through. You might think, well, there's two million of them. They must be moving pretty slow. Yeah, they probably are. But the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud on one side, it's, it's making this great divide. Towards the Israelites, there is light Right? It's a pillar of fire. On the other side, it's a dark pillar towards the Egyptians who want to come and kill them. The Lord is sending his cloud over them in a way that they can't go on. They cannot until at last the, the Lord allows them past the cloud or he moves the cloud and they start to come into uh, to pursue. And great story how the Lord gets all his own people through and the waters rush back and they, they wash out Pharaoh and his armies. Wow, what a story. So many times the Lord said he would do this so that the Egyptians would know that I am Yahweh. One, one note here, the Israelites saw this and it says that they feared the Lord. They put their trust in him. And then they, they sing this song of salvation uh, that I think is this song of love for the Lord saving them. So here we see this thing that we'll later pick up. What does it mean to keep the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. Well, Martin Luther said it means to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And so here we see that they feared the Lord. They trusted in him and in Moses, his servant, and then they loved the Lord. One note about the song of praise that they sing to God. Verse 11, chapter 15, verse 11 says, Who among the gods is like you, Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Remember a lot of this this whole confrontation in Egypt is a battle between the false gods and the one true God. And so they are remembering that, that, that our Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He has won the battle. And this is something that they will look back on forever. And we also, and today's reading ends with this, Yahweh reigns forever and ever. True then, true now. I'd like to connect this to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul takes this event that we just read about, the Israelites miraculously saved from Pharaoh passing through the Red Sea on dry land. He takes that story and says that happened to 
our fathers. Now, think for a moment. He's writing to the church in Corinth. They're all mostly Greeks. Hardly any of them are Jews. They literally, their fathers were somewhere else. They were in in Greece or Persia or something. Uh, Some of them are barbarians. They're not Jews. Literally, their fathers did not pass through the Red Sea. But he says, because now you believe in Jesus, they are your fathers. They are our fathers. And this is what he says. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the Red Sea. And then he says, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And he goes on and talks about some of the other stories that happened to them when they're wandering. He says that they all ate from the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. He doesn't say here, and the pillar of cloud uh, was Christ. He doesn't say that the angel of God who was there delivering them was Christ. But he implies that Christ was there all along. And he says that, Just as they passed through the Red Sea, they were baptized, uh, included into Moses, into the covenant of God's people. They became God's people. And he says, this happened to our fathers. So in effect, it happens to us. Remember how yesterday, Exodus 12, 14 and 13, 14 gives us this picture of us being transported in time to the Passover. And and that becomes true of us. with the Lord's Supper, we're transported in time to his exodus, his death and resurrection. Something like that is going on here with 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just let you read it and think about it and ponder it. It's important to know here that Paul says that this story that happened to the Israelites, this is our story because Christ was there for them and Christ is here for us. All right, so let's now jump over to the gospel reading. Today is Matthew chapter 21. Yesterday, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem And he was hailed as the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the infants were praising him. And and then he goes and cleanses the temple from the money changers. And the chief priests and scribes are like, what are you doing? Don't you hear these babies or these kids? They're singing your praises. Make them stop. And Jesus is like, yeah, haven't you ever read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes? I have ordained praise. These little ones are praising me rightly. And they don't like it. A couple days later, this is probably Tuesday of Holy Week, these guys come up to him in the temple and they ask him, who said you could do this? By what authority are you doing this? And Jesus is like, okay, I'll answer your question. First, just tell me one thing. Tell me about John and his baptism. Where did it come from? Heaven or man? And of course, they can't come up with a straight answer. They say, well, if we say from heaven... He'll say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say for man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So rather than just being honest and and trying to tell the truth, they want to connive and hold on to power. They don't want to lose their, their influence over the crowds for the sake of truth. So they make up their own truth and say, we don't know. So Jesus says to them, you're not going to tell me, then I'm not going to tell you. But let me tell you about what John preached John preached that you should repent. And if you are hearing this today, it means God has been gracious to you. He's been kind. Romans 2 says the kindness of God leads you to repentance. If we can hear today, we can repent by the grace of God. And that's what Jesus says in this next parable, Matthew 21, verse 22. He says, hey, a guy had two sons. 
And he said to the first one, hey, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he said, I will not go. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he said, okay, I will go. I'll go, dad. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And of course, they know the first one, even though he said, I will not go, which is a huge disrespect in this culture to say to your father, no. Wow, that is, that's unheard of. This is a, an honor and shame culture. You would never say no to your father to his face. It would be better to say yes to your father and not obey him than to say no and then end up obeying. But they know that the first one who actually said no but then did what the father wanted, he's the one who actually did the will of his father. And then Jesus says this, which would be ex- excoriating. Is that the right word? Excoriating. Uh, just a, a hot word. He says to them, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Can you imagine any harsher words for these men who think that they are right with God because of all the things they do, because of their upright and pious lives? To be, com- to be compared to a tax collector or a prostitute, and then to be told that those tax collectors and prostitutes are ahead of you in the kingdom, they hated, they hated this. Jesus says to them, John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. They are the ones who said to God, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect taxes from my kinsmen. I'm going to go in a wayward way, my own way. And yet when they heard, they repented. They believed John. But you, when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Those are hard words to these people. He's not done. He tells them another parable, and you you likely know this one. Jesus then describes them with uh, the story of the, the tenants, the renters who rented a vineyard. And if you want to really understand this, you have to go back to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 is another It's called a love poem, a love story about a vineyard, a choice vineyard that the Lord built. And he he does everything he possibly can for that vineyard. And instead of producing beautiful grapes and, and good fruit, it produces sour grapes. Nothing, no good, evil grapes. And that is the context of this story. Jesus takes that parable in Isaiah chapter 5 and he ramps it up. He uses the words or the, the concept of Isaiah 5, Israel is my vineyard that should have produced good fruit. Instead, it produces sour grapes. Jesus uses that image of the, the vineyard and he ramps it up. He says there's a vineyard and some guys were renting it and it was all prepared for them, all beautifully ready for them to just jump into and use and, and enjoy the master of the vineyard, made it a beautiful place. He did everything he possibly could to make it ready for some renters. The renters come and they they don't pay their share. But here they think they can keep it all. And when it was time to collect it, nope, we're going to keep it ourselves. And the story goes on and how they they reject the master of the of the vineyard and they end up killing the son that the master sends. And this is the picture of insanity. Jesus quotes at the end of this from Psalm 118, which is one of those psalms they would have sung on their way to Jerusalem for this Passover festival. It would have been, so they would have been just singing this. And he quotes from it, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. Even though you are rejecting the cornerstone, the son of the master, well, he will become the cornerstone of this thing that the Lord is doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. All right, lots of random thoughts. Thank you for sticking with me today. Uh, Pray the Lord's blessing over you. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.